All right, everybody. Welcome to episode number eight of Go With The Flow. I have a very special guest in the building who is up to some very cool things. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, And so... We will get much more into your cool. Actually, no, I'm just going to start by saying Julia discovered a planet last week. Very casual. Oh, wait, not last week. When did you? So, yeah, paper released this week, actually, Monday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so we will get much more into that later on. But before we get into that, because there actually is so much that I don't even know about you, and I want my mm-hmm. guests to also get to know about you, the way that I always start these episodes is by asking my guests to introduce themselves, tell me where they're from, stuff they do around campus, and just any other general intro that you would like the the listeners to, to know. So, Julia, please take it away. Right. So, um, I'm Julia. I am a junior in the physics department, and I'm from Stockholm, Sweden, so international student. And around campus, I am part of Prospect Student Ventures, which is this awesome venture capital club. It does lots of fun and exciting stuff. Um, I do some research in a lab and then i um, am also part of uh, an eating club which flow is also in um really good place to be nice people so um yeah exactly okay it. nice i didn't even know you were in pvc um do you know uh jelani is he in that i too? do actually yeah okay and i actually don't eat i'm glad you brought this up because mm-hmm. i actually want to get into this a little bit more because i don't even know what y'all do Mm -hmm. he's tried to make me join the club before but i was again i don't think i had such a great idea so what even is pvc prospect student ventures what exactly do y'all do right right so psv is a a club for students and it's aimed at mainly giving grants without taking equity in student startups uh, on campus which is really exciting so i don't know what your perception of princeton's entrepreneurial community was like maybe a few years ago i remember coming as a freshman and seeing that like there's some stuff going on but not like a loss there's like a little bit that's missing so i guess peace we want to kind of like fill that gap and be able to give grants for people with ideas um and it's is doing so and it's going super well which is very exciting um so we do that and then we also do some like educational stuff so we like talk to people who work in venture capital firms and have them do like case studies with us and kind of just teach the yeah and is that the the club that also organizes the tiger trucks no no, okay, that's different. different. Yeah, okay, exactly. Gotcha. So it's, uh, yeah, different things. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, and so you mentioned you, like you said, international student. You're from Stockholm, Sweden. Did you always know that you wanted to come to school in America, or how did that whole process for you work of ending up here rather than going to school in Sweden? Not really. I think I was very like interested in studying abroad, and then I didn't really care where abroad was. I just wanted to kind of see something new and do something exciting. Um, the U.S. became an option because I I was in high school, and then it was fairly common to do kind of exchange studies you would take like a gap year between your junior and senior year high school or something like that and then you would yeah go to an american high school mostly because there were a lot of programs that already existed so i did that and once i had that exposure i think my college applications happened a bit easier than you would have otherwise um but i applied to a bunch of places honestly and i i my only limit was the fact that i only speak swedish and english so i could have ended up anywhere but then is english spoken in Swe- uh, sweden also um not like really but everybody knows it and everybody can speak it so it's not spoken on an everyday basis but if you come and you don't speak swedish you will get around for sure but you did you learn english growing up in yeah. Sweden? okay gotcha and so you said that you spent a year in america where did you go to school right so actually like 15 minutes away from princeton at lawrenceville and it's funny that you bring that up because like i mentioned right before we started mm-hmm. i also live in the area i live like 10 minutes away from here and i actually applied to lawrenceville out of middle school really and i didn't get in 
And so now there's actually a lot of Lawrenceville kids who go here, right. and I have a little bit of beef with every single uh, one of I them. See, I see. And oh, so I'm now sorry. I realize that we have a little bit of beef also. Exactly. Got Fantastic. To the <laughs> as, as one more. So, no, that's fun. Actually. But I think it's yeah, it's very interesting where like this entire culture are like very competitive. I guess high schools at this point, like that. I mean, you're so young when you apply. I don't understand who you can have an interesting resume that's like makes you available for assessment when yeah. you're like. How old are you when you apply? You're like 12? Um, like, I think uh, middle school is like 12 to 14. Yeah, so yeah exactly. So it's, it's like yeah. 13, 14 um, when you're applying. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I, I yeah, I applied to my, my specific program. I was like 17 turning 18 when I went. Um, but it's, yeah, very different system in Sweden. Like everything is public. There's no application. It's just like your grades. And then somebody sends in your grades into a system and they would like sort you into different things and you end up where you end up. Okay, but that is interesting because although you're right it is very competitive here even right. like you're like we're saying from middle school to high school if you're applying to a private school mm-hmm. but not as much but definitely much much more so when you're applying from um, high school to college but with that sweeter system how are you able to like differentiate i guess i guess like amongst top candidates or anything? right you can't <laughs> that's, it. That's, that's the answer very straightforward um no i mean no recommendations no essays no nothing it's just very like numerical and i think there's you know pros and cons definitely i think what's interesting is that people tend to portray it as like oh this is like super egalitarian because you i don't know can't gain advantages from having like more experience in this area and such what people tend to forget is that i mean also there's like correlation between people who have good grades and let's say parents who have higher education and mm-hmm. stuff so you kind of get that selection anyways and it's not what you want um so yeah a bit dualistic doesn't really work the way it's supposed to but mm, okay and so how did how would you describe your one year at lawrenceville did you find it did you enjoy it did you dislike it did you find it more competitive like what did just right. describe that experience so that was a journey definitely because this was my first time moving abroad in general and so i was dealing with all of kind of like trying to be funny in a language that's not mine <laughs> and you know making friends and it was yeah a uh, uh, whole thing and also just trying to understand like because I, I mean i guess i wasn't expecting the u.s to be very different from sweden in general and then you know, you go into that and you're like, oh, it's fine. Everything's going to be the same. And then it's not. You get a bit <laughs> like, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, so so I think like it was a tough start, like ripping off the banding kind of thing at first. And then I ended up meeting some really lovely people and made really, really close friends. And, and you know, I remember just crying so much when I left because it was, you know, really good experience. And I really valued all of that. So I'm very happy I did it at the end of the day. But now that you're now that you're back in so close, have you like gone back to visit and all that? Yeah, yeah, in part. And I think one of my... Um, very close friends like lives in the Princeton area so I see her like several times a year and stuff when she comes back from her college and it's really great and you know also like it's a one-year experience right you don't expect to have that consistently in your life and so when that was made possible that was fantastic and what would you say and honestly this could be either when you move to Lawrenceville for the one year or since you've come to Princeton what would you say is what two questions I guess loaded in that biggest culture shock coming to America and then what is one thing I guess you wish that Sweden has that America should adopt over here? Mm, okay. Um, so the biggest culture shock, I think this isn't specific to the U.S. really, but I think it's transitioning languages and how people talk is very interesting when you've grown up in like one place. I think the way people have conversations overall is just very different where I experience that like here I think people like are very willing to like entertain each other and like, you know, tell stories and share stuff. And it's a very kind of like, let me like make you feel good or something. <laughs> but yeah. but in like but in at home it was very much of a like Q and A kind of format and that just like threw me off a lot. Which sounds like a very like minor detail, but mm-hmm. really like just in how you like 
develop your own responses, how much you like dare to take up space and and talk. That was like a weird transition to be going through. Um, and then the second question was um, biggest culture shock, and then one thing that uh, Sweden has that you like that America should uh, adopt. Do you want to see more of over here? Right, right. Mm. So I guess there's like this is gonna make me sound a little bit socialist, but but I do think there's something to like having a fundamental system where like people can't really get homeless unless something like very severe happens. There are like several layers of safety nets um, and the government will like try and help you. I think it's also just interesting because people see the role of the government super differently where for us, you would definitely like expect the government to be like taking care of everybody. And if they aren't, they aren't doing their job. Whilst here, I think the government is, is not really viewed the same way. Um, and I think there's pros to the former, definitely. Though it's more difficult in a bigger country, so... But it's been interesting. Politicians, I don't know if they do as much as they should. I don't know if the government also does right. nearly as much as it should. And even something with, again, homelessness, I put that in, like homelessness is as like a simple problem. And I put mm -hmm. simple in quotes right. from what it sounds like. That's not really a, much of an issue in Sweden, but just s runs rampant in America. And it's a type of thing where you would think there should be some exactly like you're saying, some systems in place to make sure that no one should be having to live on right. the street. Right. And yeah, just little things like that. Yeah. Okay. Just again, we're just coming back from fall break. Mm -hmm. How was your fall break? It was great. It was great. I went to Virginia um, and stayed at a friend's house, you know, saw some mountains, saw some dogs. It was very lovely. Um, and it's funny because I mostly spent, so I've been in the US technically speaking for like three years. And during those three years, I have pretty much only been in New Jersey in a very specific corner of New Jersey on top <laughs> yeah, of that. Princeton, so yeah. exactly. Um, so I think it, this is I'm, it's my project to like start branching out and seeing more of the US. So this was part of, of that project and it went really well. So um, yeah, it was good. What were you up to? Me? I was in Nashville actually. Oh, and it was exciting. very, very enjoyable. I was me and 11 of my other friends and we went and we stayed in this Airbnb and apparently, I didn't even know this, Nashville's like the bachelorette and like bachelor capital of the, at least according to every single uber driver they might have just been lying but that's like the bachelorette capital of the country okay and so all these airbnbs could just like host like 12 people easily it was so easy to get around so very enjoyable right what does bachelor capital mean so like, you know like uh, when you're about to get married you have like your bachelorette party oh, like your I bachelor see. party uh -huh. and you like go somewhere and have fun so i thought you meant just like single men capital I'm oh like, huh, interesting <laughs> title <laughs> okay yeah no so honestly that is that should be the next stop on your right on your, on your world tour of, of getting to know everywhere oh, and funny. would you would you say that you were actually able to like decompress and get an actual break um yeah actually i think those like five days in virginia did me a lot of good um, just very kind of detached from Princeton life and academia and everything. It was just so interesting to like compare to last year where we didn't have fall break, spring break, and that just like took me out completely. So I feel so <laughs> well rested. I'm so grateful, so happy. So I think every single time I look back to last semester and remember that we had a two day fall break and right. spring break, I get a little but bit more annoyed and same. I don't know how <laughs> Princeton got away with doing that to us. Although no. I will say apparently a lot of other schools don't even have fall break. Okay, that's shocking. That Yeah, like I know NYU, I have some friends here, they said they don't have fall break. My friend at Yale, I'm pretty sure she said she doesn't. Rutgers, they don't. So, and again, like, good for them. That's mm. not something they've ever had. But for us who have been used to having a whole week right. off, the right. two days was kind of a smack in the right. face. I'm sure they have like long weekends or something. It's just not like humanly possible to go like three months straight with just work especially when it's princeton pace that's yeah. i was about to say that i think is the biggest factor that affects things is that princeton i will always maintain is probably the hardest school in the country i don't care what anybody else says and so <laughs> it's a fact, it right? is a it is a fact that comes with the number one ranking so that is definitely why 
I think we need to have fall break. a fall break. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Although I will say it was nice to be away from school and detach from everything. Wouldn't necessarily wouldn't say that I rested at all, but I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. Right. Okay. You're in Nashville for four or five days. Right. You got to just enjoy the time. Have as much fun right. as you can. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe not rest, but, you know, fun, research kind of thing. Anyways, it's a... Uh, and were you were you back for the homecoming for homecoming on Saturday or no? I was, but I had to do work. Uh-huh. So See, that's sad. such a shame because right. we I come know, back and I there know. still is always so much to do, and there never yeah. it really is. I know we do get a break, but then we come back and there's so much to catch up on right. that it's so it is what it is. This is the Princeton that we all signed up yeah, for, though, yeah. and it is, it is what it is. You know, we knew and we did it, so just gotta go through it. Yeah, and okay, and so when I was honestly, so you're a junior, mm-hmm. and when I was getting ready for this episode i realized that realized that you this is your first full this will be your first full year at princeton yeah how crazy is how crazy is that to think about that you are three years in and this is gonna be your first full year i know (laughs) no and that's not i mean i still haven't experienced like princeton spring because i also didn't stay on campus during um covid at all and so um yeah i mean that is mad and it's also so funny because like as you said, we've been doing this technically speaking for a long time, but then I also feel like there's there are many things that I haven't figured out until like this semester, um, which is really funny. Yeah, you haven't had a prince. You haven't ha- you haven't been on campus post spring break since you've been here, and yeah. it's funny because I'm a senior and this is only my second yeah, full full year. full year at Princeton, and even little things with like joining the eating clubs, how yeah. we are both members of the same club, and we're technically all new members at this point because we only had like right. what two like a month in the clubs before we all got sent home. Right. So I think for me, that was just very interesting to realize that at this point, everyone who is on campus doesn't necessarily have that same sort of experience that you would expect like a junior to normally have and a senior to to normally have. But that was just a little side track. Right. Okay. And diverting the conversation completely, (laughs) you said you are a physics major. I'm a physics major, yeah. I can't tell you how much I respect that because (laughs) physics single-handedly ruined my freshman year i'm sorry it's okay you don't have to apologize it's the department that i'm annoyed at what (laughs) factored into that decision why physics how did you end up with that major right so that was it's kind of funny because um so i think i realized that i was like kind of into it when i was like 16 17 but it was almost like a secret crush kind of situation (laughs) where like you know i realized i found this super super interesting but then i was like no that's not for me you know there's like other things that sound more suitable like i was going to do some like business stuff or whatever um but then i think i like reached a point where i was like reading books about this on my own and i was like huh or like listening to a lecture by by mostly like old white men and and you know i was like hearing about all these like very specific technical things and was just like, I shouldn't be thinking this is interesting. Still, I do. Maybe <laughs> I should, like, pursue it. That sounds like a, like, genuine interest, right? Um, so I think it came from from there. And then I think once I kind of accepted that this is going to happen, then it was just going with it, even if, like, things went... Because, I mean, it's a hard subject, right? And sometimes things go bad. Um, you don't get fantastic grades. Like, it's a struggle. Um, but I think I had, like, set my mind to it and was like, okay, you know what? Even if I do badly or it makes me feel shitty at times, I'm going to, like with this so. and that is honestly so cool to hear and it makes me happy that there are people who love their major that much and are that like dedicated to it that they're able to stick through with it because right. for me for full context i'm a neuroscience major mm-hmm. do i love neuroscience do i have that same passion for it not exactly mm. Wait, did you start physics like did or did you start something else and then switch into physics no i started physics when okay physics amazing yeah. exactly so i started bsc i started cbe right. did i have a passion for it not even close so like the second that it got pretty hard i was like okay let me go do something else 
but it sounds like when you are able to find the major that is for you and you're able to like actually care about it when things get hard you're still like okay there's a reason yeah. that i'm here and you're able to persevere right. so i don't even know how possible it is for every single person at whatever school to find the major that they actually care right. about but that would make the experience so much more enjoyable whereas i'm at the point where even as I'm a few months away from my neuroscience degree. Right. And even when it gets hard, I'm like, is there, like, can I still switch out? Like, is there something? Is there, is there, do I have to do this? Do I have, no, literally, like, my thesis, do I have to? Like, what right. major is still accepting people with a few yeah. months left? So, honestly, that's pretty cool to hear. And I'm happy that there are people on this campus who are enjoying their <laughs> major. Enjoying actually. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. So. Yeah, and there actually wasn't even a question there. I just no, wanted to. No, I, but I think it's it's totally fair and i think that's also like a hard thing right where i mean you come in as a when you watch like 18 19 yeah. years old and i mean unless you already have your mind very set on what to do you just end up in this like ocean of things you can explore and i think there's also this huge pressure to like find something you're super passionate about and then you just end up like wandering around and maybe you'll find it but maybe you don't and that's just yeah a lot of things to navigate yeah and, time. and so you said that you would like listen to like Wait, could you just reiterate how exactly you found this interest in physics? Right. So um, initially, I was it was like the summer when I was like 16 years old and I was like looking for stuff to do in general. And um, my one of my like college counselor people at my Swedish high school was like, oh, there's this new program that's like a lecture series in astronomy. I think you should apply and, and see what happens. And it was like two weeks. It was just a day thing. So I applied and got in and then I was like, oh, you know, should I really do this? And then thank God my mother was like, no, I think you should. Like if you have some sort of interest in this, you should like try it out. Um, and then that ended up being like, yeah, the lecture series with mostly old white men. And I was like, huh, weird. I kind of <laughs> find this interesting despite the fact that I shouldn't. Um, and so after that, I started like reading books on my own and that when it really kind of caught fire. And would, would, would you say that seeing... The, seeing all the lectures, all the seeing the lecture series being done by old white men, and not necessarily seeing representation that you would want right. in that lecture series, would yeah. you also say that that was part of the inspiration that one day I want to be the one doing this lecture series so little girls could look up and right. see, okay, it's, there's there's women out here doing right, this exact right. same thing. So not initially, but that, and that was like a, a interesting thing as well. But I think that was really off-putting for me at first, mm -hmm. where it was very easy sometimes to kind of be like, oh, I can't like jump to both. This is not for me. Like this is not, you know. I don't know, it was, like, hard to imagine yourself in, in that position. Um, I think the first times when I, like, um, started seeing it more that way and started feeling inspired in, in that sense was actually when coming to Princeton and I had a, a female professor in my freshman physics class, um, Mariangela De Santi, and, I know, she was doing a fantastic job and just a really interesting person overall. And I was like, huh, you know what, I can't see myself in her shoes. And so, um, yeah, that definitely changed things. And that is also a, a really good point and something that I, I don't even know when this like realization like came to me but the importance of having representation in whatever field it is that you want to go into right. so i remember looking back um my high school like i said my high school like 10 minutes away from here i don't think i had a single black teacher in high mm. school yeah um and i'm trying to think back i even if if i did maybe one but even looking back right now i don't think that i did right. and then it was cool to and so i'm doing an african-american study certificate mm. And one reason that I did that was after I started pre-med engineering, my first like year and a half of classes, I don't think I had a black professor. And I was like, I'm at Princeton. The AS yeah. department is so good. I would like to be taught by some people who look like I do. Yeah. And so took the certificate, taught 
took all the classes that needed, finally had a black professor, right. had that sort of representation. Yeah. And even just sitting in a room, it's cool to see, again, not that I want to be a professor. I actually don't at all want to be a professor. <laughs> God bless you. Know, still, <laughs> exactly. right, yeah. still, it was still very cool to see these people who look like me and that right. sort of high up role yeah. who are inspiring like the leaders of the future so representation definitely is something that matters and mm-hmm. i'm very glad do you want to be do you know what you want to be long term so um not completely i don't think i want to like stay in academia forever so professors also like not on my list okay. um at the moment but definitely like i i would love to do a phd in in some physics field um i don't know i'm like with the prospect student ventures stuff like i'm interested in, in entrepreneurship and venture capital so it'd be really cool to be able to like go into for a little bit as well but tbd i was about to say you just answered the next question when you yeah when you said you were in what is psv i keep yeah. saying psv yeah. psv and that your physics major do, there is that do you have an interest in marrying the two yeah one definitely. Day? that would be fantastic if that's possible i have no idea what that would look like at the you moment the next elon musk right elon certainly spacex right 2.0 right um yeah i don't know but that's that's kind of what i'm like figuring out as well and i'm not sure like what the next step is going to be does it make sense to, like do a phd and then you know how do i swing the entrepreneurship part in that and uh, you know so it's just a mess at the moment but you know i'm sure it's going to sort itself out in due time i agree i'm a firm believer in the fact that things work out the way that they're supposed to i'm someone who again i've already know what i'm going to be doing next year but i didn't even know that that job existed until yeah. the start of the summer and i've somehow found my way into that so things will work out yeah. although i will say phds are very intimidating because how long are they unclear to me and that's also what's scaring me because i've heard like everything between like five and seven years i'm like five maybe i can do seven ah because i'm already like i took the gap year in high school right Mm -hmm. so i'm like fairly old for my grade anyways i'm like do i really want to be done with like education when i'm like 31 exactly that is and that's another reason that i didn't want to be pre-med is because you are just in school till forever and my parents like oh you should be like a neurosurgeon i'm like those people (laughs) are in they do they've like a seven eight year residency they're not out of college till like their mid-30s right with a mountain of student debt and all that i'm like why would i want to put myself (laughs) through that so i so again it's cool to hear that you do have that interest in being a phd because all these little things where i could not picture myself doing it i'm like how does anyone want to do this it always it's kind of refreshing to see that there's a reason that there are people who want to do it and there's reasons that people go into these right sorts of things right. yeah oh, funny. um okay and so i think i want to get into this planet discovery now which again very insane very cool um i don't even know how it, i think someone sent it in the in the ivy group chat and i was like it said like Julia discovered a planet. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what does that even? Yeah, I was what, like, does that what does that even yeah. mean? Okay, so could you just even explain, ju- explain generally this discovery? What the paper that was published uh, right. this week? Um, so the the this discovery, I guess, is that we found um, a planet candidate, which is, I guess, not like a fully confirmed planet, but you're like, okay, out of all the explanations that are possible, this is the one that's fairly likely. Um, it's a bit unclear with classification how that should work, but anyways, we find one of those in an, another galaxy than the Milky Way, and that's the first time that you actually find a planet that's not within our own galaxy because they're very, very far away and very difficult to get data from that's clear enough so you can find these things. Um, so we used a new method, found that, and um, yeah, published a finding earlier this week. And so casual, you say that so casually, yeah, first planet outside the Milky Way, so casual, but there's a lot to unpack there. First, okay. How did you even get involved with this project, with this lab? Could you just explain that whole process? Right. So this was um, between my my 
quote unquote gap year in the US after studied like senior year twice, technically speaking. So I was between my, my year in the US and my final year in Sweden. Um, I was at one of those like research summer program things and it was in, in Boston and were assigned like a mentor and a project. And they ended up working with um, Rosanna Stefano, who's at the Harvard Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. And she just kind of like gave us some data and was like, this is exciting. There are some ideas about like finding planets in this data. You can look at these and that events. Um, and we ended up finding some like interesting stuff, but it wasn't clear kind of what it, what it was. So after that summer, we just decided to like, let's keep working together. And I pretty much just me harassed her with emails with, like <laughs> unsolicited updates um and it was you know like hi i want to keep working on this please let me and you know she she did and was super kind and um yeah willing to help and listen and give feedback and perspectives um so yeah so ended up working on that on my own for like a few months and then um we kind of realized that like wait we have enough for this to like actually look like we could explain it by having a planet and um yeah we kind of got to work very intensely and the the hope was to be like done by the time I started college, that did obviously not happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, You're um, not three years into right, college. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a long time in the making, definitely. And so this, pa- the paper that was just published on this new, you said, planet candidate. So you right. actually, like, found it, like, three years ago? Yeah. And so what was the work from then till now? Like, what was that right. intense work done? Right. Why did it take three years yeah. to get to publication? And is that, like, standard? Right. Um, so it's not, it's not standard. Um, I think there were, there. I think, that all the analytical work was kind of done, like, a year and a half ago. Um, and so the reason is that it, you can explain what you basically have is, is, you know, you look at the light from a source and then you see, like, okay, something is blocking out the light for some period of time. But then there are many things that could be blocking out the light. So you need to kind of, like, analyze different aspects of this and, and see, like, what possible explanations could we have? Why are they likely? Why are they unlikely? And so that took quite a bit of time and also figuring out, like, what else could it be? And then once we had written this up, we submitted it for publication and then you have to go through peer review where peer review, yes. other research in, in neuroscience i understand what peer review is. Right. but could you explain that for right. people who might not right. know right so peer review <laughs> is when um experts in the field pretty much read your paper and you know tell you we think this is credible we think this is not credible and based on their opinions then the journal would either tell you to like okay we will accept it we will publish it or you will have to like rewrite it or maybe they will just reject you straight away um so we had like a year of that which is much longer than usual um but i think this was also like a pretty like bold fame so i guess it's fair that you know they looked at it carefully and had some thoughts and concerns so oh so you actually had to like adjust stuff a few times in throughout right. the peer review yeah. process yeah i think i guess i think we never like properly changed the science but i think what we emphasized and how we wrote it changed depending on like what their concerns were um but then there were a lot of rewrites and reworking this so that took a year. Did you always have the strong conviction that even though this process was going so long, this paper will eventually get published? Or did it get to a point where you're like, oh my God, these people are doubting us so much, maybe we're never going to get published? A little bit, yeah, honestly. Um, where I think I, I think I was like believing our claims, right? And so I think it would have been a shame if, you know, for some reason we had given up. But you know, yeah, there were definitely moments where it was like, okay, not sure how this is going to go. This is taking a lot of time from me, but especially Roseanne, who's been, you know, the lead on this paper in general. And I just saw her like, pretty much working on this full time um which is not what's supposed to happen so um yeah this is honestly uh this the story honestly the theme of this whole podcast has been perseverance perseverance (laughs) perseverance (laughs) when things get hard you have to keep going and everyone listening to this right now when things get hard keep going and so how 
were you able to balance all this research you were doing while also being a student, seeing as you thought that you were going to be done before you started Princeton, but right. three years in, you're just now getting So published. the answer is that I didn't, and that's, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That was that was really weird, especially freshman year, because, like, I was figuring out how to do Princeton and all wow. that, and that's hard on its own. Oh, yeah. And then this was also <laughs> taking up time, so I think, it, like, that did not go fantastic, honestly. Um, but then I, it also reached a point where, like, I, I told my mentor that, like, the especially when COVID happened, I was like, you know, I can do like some stuff on this, but also I need to like focus on my own work. So she kind of took charge. That's why I also give like huge credit to her for, um, yeah, making sure that this got out. You should send her this podcast. Yeah, Whenever it comes out. And that is actually insane. So it's, again, starting Princeton, and I've talked about this so much on this podcast, that transition, I don't think is easy for anybody. No. It is, and you came as a physics major, insane. I came, so freshman year, I took physics 103 in mm-hmm. the fall, and then that's so that's just like the that was the engineering route, and then when I dropped engineering, I did 102 in the spring. Mm-hmm. I actually did so much worse at 102 than I did at 103, but probably to this day, one of the some of the hardest classes that I've taken. The amount of like piece that we had like three different types of like weekly problem sets. So right. we had like one online, like a weekly quiz, just insanely hard, and I just imagine that the other physics requirements just don't get any easier since, again, I only took the intro ones and I struggled that badly. Right, but honestly, personally, I had the hardest time with the, like, intro classes just because that was both a transition in terms of, like, what are you expected to do? The physics I'd done in high school was very different from what I had to do in college. And so managing that, the workload, everything, I think that definitely, like, freshman fall was my toughest semester by far. Um so and and I think in terms of the physics, I think you also get more comfortable the kind of more you do it. So I've I've definitely found that like I have an easier time doing stuff now than I did then. Thank God. That, yeah, um, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, that is the hope that eventually you will adjust and be able to be more comfortable in your major. But right. back to to the to the plan of discovery. You mentioned how there was like a traditional method of typically finding plans, mm-hmm. and then you did something different. Right. Could you just like high level explain yeah. what the original method was and what was different about how right. you guys so, found it yes yeah, so it's not like a big change between them but the, the major one is we do what kind of light you're looking at okay. in a sense so um normally we you would look at optical light which is what we see with our eyes right and and so you would kind of look at a star within our galaxy and you would kind of record like how bright is this source you would see is something blocking it out do we see several times that something is being blocked out well that kind of makes sense if it's you know periodic and you have several dips that possibly is a planet that's orbiting around a star um, for our method, what had been realized by Roseanne and, and Mia Mara, who's also on this paper, was that um, the kind of, if you look at something called X-ray binaries, which is like if you have a neutron star or a black hole and a, like a main sequence star that kind of are in orbit around each other, they will emit X-rays because it's very, very energetic and um, the black hole is like stealing mass or the compact object is stealing mass from, from the star that's around it. Um, and so that, that region emits X-rays is like teeny tiny. It's like the size of a planet-ish. And so if you have a, a source that's been in x-rays, that's the size of a planet, and then let's say you have a planet in that system, the actual planet could like block out the x-ray source completely. Um, so the realization was that like, okay, actually, um, the method that we usually use wouldn't work if we look at optical light in other galaxies, but if we look at x-rays, it might. Um, so that was the change, I suppose. Okay, and as, as you said that, I nodded my head, but I'm not going to understand that until I listen back to this podcast and completely follow that. <laughs> <laughs> but it all sat, that sounded very impressive. And who was the, like, what was that moment of realization? That like, oh, this is like a different way to do things and this might actually lead us to right. some sort of different discovery. So, so that was my mentor, actually, before before I even joined 
her. Um, so I, she had published that paper beforehand, like a theoretical piece of work that was like, huh, in theory, you could do this thing. And then me and some other interns like worked for her during a sound project and like, gave us that paper and was like, you can look for this. You can also look for a bunch of different things. Um, but that her idea was the thing that we ended up working with. Gotcha. And I asked, I remember asking this question a few days ago, like jokingly. So mm-hmm. like, how did you discover a plan? Did you just like take a telescope and point right. it into the air Found and, in the backyard, and just you know? look into so, it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so again, and I remember you saying something about how there's like this piece, there's like a set of data that's out there for the whole world to right. look at. Could you right, just explain exactly. that again? Um, right. So, so there are like a bunch of telescopes that are sent out into space and they collect data and, and we use two different telescopes, but all the data that they collect is first kind of like private. They're like designated to different researchers for a number of time um a number of years and so after that they kind of like released to the public so there's this there are these websites where they just have like released all data from the telescopes and that's publicly available for anybody to look at and i could sit in my bedroom in sweden and you know download that and look at it as well um so for everyone listening you too can discover a planet right, all exactly. this all that's this data the, is, is right? all this that's data is public yeah. publicly available yeah, is, yeah. and so was there like a specific day where this finding happened and mm-hmm. could you just like explain like the excitement the emotion right. like oh we might be onto something here right so so there were like two moments i think the the first one was the first time that like i saw the eclipse um which was like because we had been looking through lots and lots of data for like several weeks and you know been playing with like ways to visualize this like how do we actually detect something if it exists um and then i just saw this like graph that was very like was like brightness brightness and just like a very sharp fall and then rise again so it was like huh that looks interesting that could be what we're looking for um and so that was one moment but that was you know not at all when the quote-unquote realization had happened there was so much analysis that had to be done after then then there was a long period of time we also like didn't know what this was gonna be because it existed there already existed explanations for this and and you know um yeah there were many things it could have been otherwise the second like big moment was when we found another um another like yeah data collection from the same source where we could see that there was like a, a much much longer period of blocking out light and so from that we could know that like okay so if there's you know uh let's say black hole neutron star you have like a sun that's spinning around it and you have a planet then you would expect the the sun to be blocking out more light for a longer period of time and the planet to be blocking out just a little bit of light for a shorter period of time and so we could see that like we have both a long eclipse and a short eclipse that probably means there are two different things that are doing this and and that became very interesting amazing okay um and so now to the name of this planet right what is the name of the planet m51-1 and why is it not more exciting right so <laughs> yeah that is so that's actually the like, first thing people have been asking which is really really funny so i think there's like a bunch of naming conventions this was a big discussion when we were writing this in general because it's i mean it, normally you would just like have like the name of the source and then put the like letter b afterwards to indicate that it's a planet um, we were not allowed to do that because it was like oh this is like a candidate you can't confirm it yada, yada, it's a new thing we don't know what to do and so we had like some other names that we were discussing um the, honestly the peer reviewers rejected a lot of them and were like no name something else please they rejected and the name wait were they more fun name more fun names i think so but i'm not sure like <laughs> i'm not sure if like other people does so it was nothing like i don't know roseanne's planet or something we never did that um but uh yeah no we settled on like m51-1 because just because like easy nobody could complain have opinions um 
Interesting. Right. So this is the pure reviewer's fault that it has a <laughs> name that could, I don't want to say it's a boring name, but like I think right. I hear a new plan. I'm like, okay, right. name that shit something pretty cool. Right. But I, I, I do think that like people would probably have found their initial name pretty boring as well, to be honest. What was um, the initial? What was the initial? M51ULS1B. So I'm not sure that was much more exciting. Honestly, it sounds like some sort of like collaboration is needed between right. the you know. researchers and people who are like right. good at naming right. stuff. Right, exactly, <laughs> right, right, right. No, all these you know, naming conventions uh, yeah. are not exactly. I know, I know, It's but it's okay. It's it's done, it's out there. You can you can name it yourself if you want, like have a nickname or something. I was, that was literally there. my next question. Right. I was like, is there a way to make an official nickname for this planet? Right. No, it no, would no, be more like spiffy that I could like bring it up in conversation. Right, like, exactly. Oh, you know my friend Julie, she discovered blank. Like I can't be like, oh, my friend. And Julie discovered M151. It's like eh, right, eh, right. Wait. No, I mean you can you can come up with something and and you know spread it through your podcast. <laughs> and spread it through uh, the, right. this global podcast over right. here. These p- you peer reviewers, if you are listening, please allow more fun names for these for these planets. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that's it. Oh yeah. So you said it's a planet candidate. Mm-hmm. When does it drop the candidate and just become like officially so a planet? It probably never will. What? Right. And that's because this is a, a planet that's like very. Well, if it is a planet, it's very, very far away from the, the thing that it's orbiting. And so it would take like 70 years for it to come back. And currently the standard for like confirming a planet is to see it like block out light twice. Wow. Right. Okay. So I will have you back on here in 70 years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You can have a discussion then. Yeah. We'll have a party um, about it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that is. Oh, that's okay. Well, right. it's still exciting, but still like, no, oh, exactly. we would like it to be like, oh, yeah, next Confirm week. Next right. week they drop the candidate right. and we throw it apart. Right. But, but, it, but it is interesting, right? We're like, that's a. Because I mean, that's the traditional method, but then also we haven't done this in a traditional way. So there's also a question of like, okay, why is that a necessary requirement from starch? And do we like have to maintain that requirement in the situation as well i think there's like some discussion to be had there um i don't think that like this will be officially accepted as a uh you know confirmed planet but i think it's an interesting that is a very good point you bring up you did things in an unconventional way and so the old convention should not also apply to these new conventions to your, to your new right doing things right is right. that argument being made by your mentor and yeah a little bit i think we're i mean yeah, so I think there's like some technical reasons for why it, it you have to do that when you're looking like in optical lights, but in, in X-ray it's fairly different circumstances. Um, so I think there there is an argument to be made that like you you maybe wouldn't have to um, see it twice because the the issues that you that you have in optical like kind of do not exist for this case. So you know I don't think it's gonna be like a, a accepted convention, but I do think there's you know some some thoughts to be had about that. What phone line do I need to call to make this case? Right. You know, <laughs> give me a, give me a name, give me an email, give if, me a number. If I knew, you know, a <laughs> I'll make all the listeners bombard right, them exactly. until they accept it and so we don't have <laughs> so to wait 70 like years for the candidate for the, right. <laughs> for the, for the candidate name to be dropped. Right. But wow, I mean, I think those are all the all the questions that I had about that. Is there anything else that you just want to share about the planet discovery? No, I mean, I think like honestly the Princeton community is fantastic the past week like this, especially the people in our eating club have been so so sweet and I'm just really grateful that everybody but he's been this lovely, um, felt super supported. So, um, like, yes, it has been a fun discovery in and of itself, but especially, like, people and their response and excitement have been the best thing by far. Which, again, like, you, you discovered a planet. It's pretty fucking cool. And I, honestly, more people should know about it. And you need front page of the daily. Because you, I literally, if you Google new planet, there's articles in, like, CNN, like, CNBC, all these major publications on NASA's website. Right. This is, like, 
a big deal. It's a pretty that fucking huge deal. Like, so absolutely. all the all the excitement is very warranted. This that's, is pretty oh, cool. I you know I'm just <laughs> I was joking like oh so uh, someone's like oh what did you do over break? I was you know I got drunk on a Tuesday while Julie's <laughs> out here discovering <laughs> discovering planets. That is, that is it. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. No, really, everybody's been so kind, and I'm yeah, just very happy. Amazing. Well, again, very cool. Very cool. Um, and I think with that, we could probably get to the Tiger Confession section. Tiger Confession section. Um, like I said, Tiger Confessions, I read two confessions and my guest and I, we just kind of react to them. So the first one says, oh, I'm a soft who hasn't who wasn't really involved in extracurriculars during COVID last year. And now that I'm getting involved and loving it, I'm so sad I'll only get three get I'll only get three years in my groups. There's a whole year I won't be able to get back. Hmm. I mean, I think that's fair to some extent, but also like you found them. And I'm at least for me, I didn't join like any extracurriculars like first year at all, just because mm-hmm. like didn't know they existed, missed all the deadlines, like all the <laughs> classical stuff. Right. So it's it's, you know, um enjoy the time is my yeah, and I agree. And I think the reason that I picked this one is because I saw that and I actually related to a certain extent mm. because the amount of enjoyment and fun that we've had in this last week, it's only been like, we're only back, this is our first week post break in the first like seven, eight weeks. It's been a really good year. It's been so fun. Yeah. And I can't help but think about how much we missed out on, which I know, I know, I know is not the way to think about things and you can't like dwell on the past and the past can't be changed. You only need to look forward. Mm-hmm. But every time we're like, every time we like have a fun night out, I'm like, this is something we're supposed to have last year. Like this should be time number two. We should be making these memories for a second time. There's a whole year of memories we missed out mm-hmm. on. So when I read this confession, I was like, I actually really understand where they're coming from. Oh, that's fair. Because as much again the past is not changing the past is the past when you like sit down and re- realize first of all like i said earlier this is your first full year of college in your third year i'm about to graduate and it's gonna be my f- second full normal year mm-hmm. it is kind of like a sad realization but at the same time it's just nice that things are basically back to how they were pre-covid mm-hmm. and i think it's just about making as much of the year as we can mm-hmm. so i saw that and i was like i kind of get it this person I, I get where they're coming from fair enough and then the second one, it says, friends who had friends who had and recovered from some variant of the Princeton plague. About how long did it take for you to fully recover? All my other symptoms have been gone for like a week, but this cough seems never ending. So I'll attach onto that. Did you ever have the Princeton plague? Not properly. I've been very close to getting it. I've been like, you know, feeling like my throat and then it's like, I don't know, pouring down tea. Um, so uh, close, but not there. But I have friends who've been like, literally coughing for like six or seven weeks straight i was about to say you are lucky because i also feel like i have it and i'm still kind of recovering right and honestly though it's nice that okay so being on a college campus people always get sick that's just how it is it's great that it's not covid the rates are still very low but this thing is just ravaging everybody and i remember there was a day um at this point it was like probably like five weeks ago at this point where when i first got really sick i was in bed from like five o'clock one day till i woke up the next day like that's how bad it was and ever since that moment i've had some sort of slight cough some sort of slight something so the princeton plague fully did ravage me and so yeah. to answer this question that cough might be here to stay who knows <laughs> it's permanent it's i'm sorry par- it's par- <laughs> as long as you are on campus in the princeton orange right. bubble in the community you just right. 
run the risk. You run the exactly. Yeah. You run the yeah. risk of of, life. of exactly of having the cough and just having everything else. I'm sorry. Well, I wish this person gets well. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish myself well. I hope <laughs> I get better. I, it's it's been rough for everyone, but again, at least it's not COVID that's spreading around. Right. That's that's, that's all that plus. matters. Mm. Um, but Julia. That is that. Those are all the questions that I have for you. This was very enjoyable. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. So lovely to talk to you. Always. Thank you. Um, Do you have any final words for the people before words. we wrap it up? No, I would just thank you for having me and thank you for listening to people who are so. Of course, perfect. Time. Perfect. Um, thank you again, Julia. And as for my final words, yeah, your cough is probably here to stay and persevere. That I think is the general theme of this episode. When things are hard keep going um things will get better especially if you really enjoy what you're doing and yeah just keep persevering keep going princeton is hard life is hard but keep fighting and you know we all make it through together perfect all right this has been another episode of go with the flow thank you for listening